It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Hello and welcome to the Newcastle Natter. My name is Fergus Craig and I am joined on the phone by Dave Watson. Hi, Fergus. Hi, Dave. You're just recovering from bronchitis. Is that correct? That is correct. I am uh, not coronavirus, just bronchitis. Don't worry. I'm not going to be rushed off into quarantine or anything. I'm fine. Just a little bit bunged up and what's the difference here through one ear. What's the difference between bronchitis and tonsillitis? It's it's, um, it's chesty. It's a bad chesty cough. That's what you've had. Yeah, because bronchitis affects the bronchioles in your lungs, and tonsillitis affects the tonsils in your throat. Different places, different things. Okay, that's the kind of medical. Uh, expertise that this show has been missing for years uh paul doolan not available out with a cold so we're we're not a healthy uh lineup which brings us on to newcastle united fc uh dave as you know me and paul went to the game i did i wanted to hear all about your executive experience uh thank you yeah we went uh for the first time, yeah, the first time I've ever watched a game in the executive box. Although Never done co- it myself. Oh, well, I slotted right in. Um, <laughs> here's, here's the thing. It's a bit like... Now, I, I don't want to brag, but I have also travelled first class before, Dave. Right, yeah. And it's a so bit... So have I. Right, okay. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, just to very, very quickly, my first class was flying from Manchester to Paris, and first class meant that they pulled the cu- the curtain behind me, and I got first dips on the cheese sandwiches. So that that's my experience of first class. Is it the same long haul? Uh, no, but <laughs> my observation is that when you are on an air- airplane or in an a- airport, or you are at a football match things that in other parts of your life would not be deemed luxurious become luxurious. Like, essentially, that the um, club level at uh, the Emirates Stadium is a bit like a travel lodge, really. Right. It's not that fancy at all. There's a few restaurants that are like the sort of 
restaurants that you would get in like a three star hotel. Right. Do you know? Do you know what I mean? It's not. Yeah. But it's the fact that it is at a football stadium that makes it swanky, decadent. <laughs> you know, like the box itself is a tiny little room that would be an office in like Chelmsford Borough Council. Do you know what I mean? It's just. <laughs> It's just a little room with a TV and a sort was of... There a, and a was sort there a buffet of, laid on? There wasn't buffet laid on for us. I guess we weren't in no. buffet class. There was a sort of frightened-looking lady, like, girl, basically, who was there to, like, wait on us. But right. There was something in her eyes that said that, said that she dealt with a lot of horrible men in her life <laughs> <laughs> working at the Emirates. Um. And the, the seats were heated. Ooh. The whole of this episode is just going to be a review of the executive experience. <laughs> uh, the seats were heated, so that was like a sort of surprise. Nice. And uh, there were a lot of empty seats. And, uh, yeah, that's... Um, what, empty seats in the box or empty seats around the Emirates? There were quite a lot of empty seats around the Emirates and certainly at, like... Uh, box level there were a lot of empty seats so i mean arsenal aren't having a well arsenal are having by their standards a bloody terrible season so i can imagine that quite a few of the uh i remember reading years ago there's something about the more you pay for a ticket the less likely you are to attend i think so, so yeah i think there's a there's once you're at that level there's a lot of people who've sort of who are you know casual arsenal fans but have used their company's money for the status to buy this box to entertain people, but they really only go for the big games, you know? Yeah, and we're not a big game anymore. Certainly not, no. Certainly not this season, God. Now, you watched the game, didn't you, Dave? Yes, yes, I did. Uh, What were your thoughts? First half, I thought we were really good. And now... So that has to go down to Arsenal just didn't look at the races in the first half. They didn't look bothered. They still had a few chances, even though they weren't. But we had a we had a good number of chances, and we you know we were we looked exciting down the flanks. Um, unfortunately, we you know struggle with the fact that Joe Linton's still not playing as a number nine. He's still playing too deep. So there wasn't a lot. There wasn't like a, the tip of a spear for us to to really go for it. But I thought we. I thought we played really well. I thought we were good value for going in level pegging. We were um, good first half, weren't we? St. Maximin yeah. was uh, oh, probably yeah. the best player in the pitch first half. Definitely. He was terrorising uh, Bellerin, wasn't it? He was absolutely terrorising him. And I thought, um, again, had we a, a, a different striker on the pitch, I think that kind of incision from, from both uh, St. Maximin and to a lesser degree, Almiron, I think we, we could have come away with, with with some reward from that. But no, in the first half, I thought we were very good. Lazaro looked great going forward in the first half. I thought Rose looked decent, uh, our two new fullbacks. Um, but unfortunately, in the second half, not only did Ars- um, Mikel Arteta change things up a little bit with the Arsenal setup, he also obviously put a rocket under them. And um, we just... We never came out for the second half. Uh, no, it was, uh, yeah, it, it was so frustrating. Uh, Joe Linton, 
in his mm. performance. Like there was there was one particular incident that anyone who watched the game I imagine will remember where uh Saint Maximan got into a fantastic position to cross the ball in when Joe Linton was like like in the in a cafe nearby. He <laughs> <laughs> was so far away and showed no intention of like trying to get into the box. It was like he'd forgotten what his job was. It's like he thought he was the referee. <laughs> he, yeah, he's he's struggling so badly. And I, I mean, I, I think I've been, I think it's fair to say I've been his biggest supporter on the pod. Um, but I think I said uh, last time we did one that he has to he has to bear some personal responsibility. And if he's not, yes, he's not getting the service, and yes, he's isolated, and yes. You know he's he's struggling to get any kind of imp- impact on the game, but he's got to do the basics right, and he's but not he, doing that. Right he now. is getting the service. If he gets into the box, he'll certainly be getting more opportunities. I think that's I think that's true in the last game, but up until the last game, I don't think he was getting any any kind of service. I mean, we've got. I'll not bother going into it, but um, in terms of crosses and through balls and stuff to a striker. We're not producing now. That could be because what's the point in crossing the ball when you're when there's no one there is having a chat on the centre circle? But the other side of it is we haven't been giving the service because we've been camped so deep because Bruce doesn't know how to set this group of players up um, further up the pitch. Uh, and I know I know it's easy to criticise uh, Joe Linton, um, but I think. Bruce has to shoulder the the lion's share of the blame for the performances as a whole because just the way that we're set up just will lead to Joe Linton being isolated, will lead to St. Maximum and Almiron having to beat three or four players to get into the box because they're playing so deep. They're picking the ball up like 50 yards away from their goal and they're having to do... And, you know, St. Maximum's got the talent to get past a couple of players at least. But by the time he does that, the rest of the, the team are so far away from him because we are camped in so deep that, like you say, there's nobody to cross to. Even even if Joe Linton is playing a deeper role, well, where was Almiron? Where's Longstaff? Where's even the other fullbacks, for fuck's sake? Like, they're all attacking fullbacks. Where, where were they? I don't think that so was. Deep. I don't think that was. A, that, I don't think that's a choice by Steve Bruce. To ha- certainly for Joe Linton to be so deep. I mean, I think, I if think you're a... Cons- well, okay, I mean, he was mentioning after the game in his own comments, like, we're trying to get him to go into the box. But, <laughs> like, that seems that, to be that a problem that they're aware of. If but this j- is it. Like, the, 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 the guy interviewing Bruce said, oh, uh, Joe Linton had three touches in the box. And he was like, oh, did he? That doesn't sound right. It's like, you're the fucking manager. You should know. You should be across this. You should be able to know where your players are, are picking up the ball. And the reason that Joe Linton's picking up the ball outside the box is because the rest of the team is so fucking deep that he's having to come and get the ball just to get a touch. So when he does get a touch, he's half a pitch away from where he's supposed to be, and he's not getting that. He's not getting the ball in dangerous areas. The blame has to lie with Steve Bruce. So if the blame if the blame for uh, Sunday lies with uh, Steve Bruce, does the credit 
for the fact that it was our first loss in eight games go to Steve Bruce? I mean, this is something that I've, I've seen about, oh, we're unbeaten in eight games. Have you seen the games that we're unbeaten in? I know, they're, I know. They're, they're counting games against Rochdale in the Cup, they're counting games against Oxford in the Cup, they're counting a nil-nil draw against the worst team in the Premier League. These, are, these That's nothing to be proud of in my eyes. These aren't, these aren't like... You know, it's not like three wins, a couple of draws. Oh well, three wins and, and, and five draws or anything. This is this is piss poor, and I, I don't think simply being unbeaten is is frankly is is good enough for a side that boasts the kind of talent we do. Because I do think we've got a decent side. I mean, we've got the best goalkeeper outside the top six. We've got what five Premier League quality centre halves. A couple of them are very comfortable on the ball. We've now got international class fullbacks, and even if we don't, we've got decent Premier League fullbacks. The centre midfield still a little bit needs a bit of work, but then you've got St Maximum and Almiron, who are comfortably 25, 25 million pound players. We've got all this talent, regardless of the the, the piss poor performances of Joe Linton. We should be playing better football. Joe Linton should be missing chances, not not getting them. It, it, it has to lie. If, if Steve Bruce can't work out how to get this group of talented footballers to play a better style of football than we are, then he wants shooting them with shit because he doesn't know what he's doing. Now, right now, I, I really do wish I had Paul in the studio because, <laughs> because one, I'd be able to go to him to confirm what I'm thinking in my own head. Mm-hmm. I'd like to think at the, while you were talking, we might have rolled eyes across the table. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you're right. Maybe I'm going mad. Maybe we're just going to have the same argument that we did the last time we did this pod a month ago or whatever it was. <laughs> but I, 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 I think when I hear you say, Things like we've got a really talented group of players. I'm, I'm like, am I mental? <laughs> I don't. I, I don't think that's true. I think we've got. A, I think we've got a very unbalanced side with a couple of uh, particularly talented players. But I, I don't think the talent is shared well across well, the team. I'd, well, let's let's just. We do have one of the best goalkeepers in the league. Outside the top five or six, you'd say Dubravka was one of the best. I know he had a... Did you goal. see the fourth goal, Dave? No, I mean... Yes, I the Ozil chance. I know, fight. everyone that makes mistakes. I know. But overall, he's one of the best, right? Sure. Right. Centre-halves. Lejeune, Cher, uh, Fernandez, Kieran Clark, and Lascelles. They're all Premier League quality, and you could say that uh, Cher and Lejeune are comfortable on the ball. Fair? They're certainly comfortable on the ball. As defenders, are they mid-table or above defenders? I, I don't know. I would say mid-table. Okay. I'm not saying they're Van Dijk. I'm just saying that they're decent. They're not, they're not like championship level. That's what I'm saying. They're, they're Premier League level. They're decent. Okay. And then you've got St. Maximum and Almiron, clearly very good players. Certainly St. Maximum. I mean, Almiron. Oh, okay. well, I'm not going to rattle your cage over I mean, I, I, fine. I did, you know. Fine, yeah. Dave. We'll stop the pod there. <laughs> I so all I'm saying is with these players, I mean, I, I would say that 
Pardew would get a better tune out of these players than Bruce is, and you know my views on Pardew. I think I know your views on any Newcastle United manager under Mike Ashley other than the deified Rafa Benitez. I think that the circumstances that we're dealing with here are mostly not of Steve Bruce's making, like to a large, large part. And I think that Steve Bruce is such a red herring because it doesn't matter how many times we have this conversation or how many stats you throw or whatever, things were not better under Rafa Benitez. And the consistent that the the thing that remains the same is the ownership of the club and the way the club has been run. So it's well, it's things like oh, okay. Steve Bruce did not decide to spend forty million on Joe Linton. Somebody else did, and that's what yeah. he's been left with. But I think we're actually doing pretty well this season. Well, I think it's just I think we- it's exactly like. Any other season under Mike Ashley, except for the Pardew fifth season. Okay, well, finishing in, fifth in, season there in eighteen nineteen with roughly the same play. Actually, like, in eighteen nineteen, before yeah, like, football, before the FA came into <laughs> existence, twenty nineteen season with worse players. You could argue in the attacking lineups, Bar Rondon and Perez. We had more possession than we are experiencing now, and we've got the same midfield. We scored. Um, uh, we we um, we we allowed fewer goals. We uh, we took more shots, and we had a better xG. But did we have more points? Are no, this... we were six points worse off. I think. I think that. That's a but you're pretty this, important this point. I think that's a pretty important looking... part of the the argument. No, because the the points they can be influenced by every other team in the league. The performances aren't. The performances are are what the team is doing. The points. It's an aberrant season. If you look at the the way that the season playing out, you've got Liverpool absolutely running away with it, taking points off everybody and everybody else is beating everybody else it's a weird fucking season and i don't think that saying oh well we're six points better off so steve bruce is doing the same kind of job he's not like by every performance metric he's doing worse other than points i I would argue that other managers like pardew would be doing better with this group of players than bruce is because bruce is a bad football manager i think he deserves some credit for, uh, you know, spirit or whatever. There's been so many, you know, late night, uh, late night, so, so much late night fun. There's been so, <laughs> there's been so many uh, late in the game goals and comebacks and things, which is not something that you associate with uh, recent years for Newcastle United. And I think that he's got to deserve some credit for that. Listen, as it, it's going to, we're going to go around in circles, but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an argument that I'd, I'm happy to have because... You know, I, d- I don't think that Steve Bruce is a great manager. I don't think that, uh, I certainly don't think he's as good a manager as Rafa Benitez. I just think that in the in the debate about the season that we're having, 
I, I think that he's like a red herring. I think he's a, almost a side issue. I, yeah, he's I, a symptom of the larger issue. He, he's he's just the, the the poor patsy that's been rolled in front of the you know to, to be torn apart by the the fan base. Mike Ashley is the underlying issue. I, I totally agree with that. However, there has to be some criticism of his footballing, uh, the, the performances of the football team, because it's poor. It's piss poor. And yes, he's got six more points on the board, but the football's been awful. And yes, Mike Ashley is the, the, the cloud that hangs over everything. But we've criticised him to death. We, we know what he's about. He, it, nobody's defending Mike Ashley. It just it, it bothers me when people are saying, oh, Bruce is doing a good job because we're six points better off than we were last year. It's like, he's not doing a good job. I, he, look, he, I don't even think, it. I don't even think that I would say, maybe I have said it. I don't think I, I don't even know that I agree with the sentence, Bruce is doing a good job. I just don't think he's like doing this terrible job that warrants the amount of like moaning that's going on about him it's like it's not steve bruce it's been like this for years it's uh, so so uh, my knee-jerk reaction to the to that would be well hang on a second part of it is steve bruce he is in charge of the team but i get what you're saying it's that there's no point like yes he's um doing bad he's not getting the team to perform well but all the other issues render that bit almost moot like everybody knows he's a he's not a very good manager so to continuously criticize him when really the criticism should fall on the shoulders of Mike Ashley you know it's folly like we should focus our ire on Mike Ashley and I get that and I do but at the same time, I can't sit and watch a Steve Bruce Newcastle United side and make any kind of defence for it. Okay, well, you're going to have to after the break, Dave, because I'm <laughs> intending on getting personal. So uh, please join us back after the break when we continue this circular argument for another hour and a half. <laughs> Welcome back from the break. Uh, myself and Dave Watson are now uh, stripped to our pants and ready to fight. <laughs> Did you see that uh, Mikhail Arteta had apparently turned down the job? Yeah, <coughs> I saw that, but you can't really be shocked. I mean, he's up and coming and I mean, look at the job he's in now. If he's got Arsenal available to him, that that. I mean, I know it wasn't available at that time, but he knows where, where, what level he can punch at. And Newcastle United under Mike Ashley were not an attractive out, uh, option. For I was him. completely unsurprised that it was a job that he turned down. Yeah. I was quite surprised that it was a job that he'd been offered, just because the you know the, he doesn't other than Rafa, he doesn't fit the mould of the usual. Mm. Uh, Managers that you feel like Mike Ashley likes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But I wonder how much of that, because apparently um, <coughs> Vieira was approached and um, I think Steven Gerrard as well, maybe. Apparently Sam Allardyce you know, was approached. 
Sorry? Sam Allardyce was approached <laughs> as well. Genuinely. Yeah. Uh, it's still laughable. But my, what I was going to say is that I wonder how many of those approaches were genuine in the same thing as how many of these takeovers are genuine. Like, is it not just, oh, well, we all like, oh, we're going to go and try and sign Alassane play. Oh, we couldn't do it. Oh, what are we going to do? You know, we did our best, but never mind. It's, I, I don't know how much I believe the, the I, I don't know how serious the interest was from our side. And I completely believe how serious the, the refusal was from Arteta. Fair enough. Yeah. There was a, uh, would you have liked to have seen on. him at Newcastle? Do you think like the job that he's doing at Arsenal, do you think he could have done a good job at Newcastle United? Look, despite the fact that I've hosted a football podcast for six or seven years, I fundamentally I know <laughs> fuck all about football. But um <laughs> I, I I it appeals in a um in my head, he would he would want to try and play more attractive football. I don't yeah. know that Mikel Arteta, from what I know of him, like working under Pep Guardiola, and then going to Arsenal and the sort of football that they're associated with. I I don't know if his methods would necessarily work with a squad of our talent and at our end of the table. I you know. Okay. It might yeah, be fair. a, you know, I'm trying to think of an example, but there's been similar instances, haven't there, of uh, fancy managers with nice ideas managing smaller sides and it not going mm. so well. But, yeah, I mean, I like the idea of it. Yeah. But you can't go wrong with Steve Bruce, you know. <laughs> um, there, was a, uh, there was an intruder on the pitch. That was fun. Did the did the uh, cameras turn away from him? Yeah, I didn't. I, I I've heard about it, but I didn't see it. But he, although he, it could have been at the point that I wasn't watching because I was pissed off. I he was know. very fast. He was very fast, Dave. He evaded about a dozen stewards. Mm-hmm. It was like it was really it was a, it was my favourite pitch intruder I think I've ever seen live because he. he it was very considerate. He waited for an injury. So he's like, I'm, I'm going to give the... This is my moment. I'm going to give some crowd, the crowd some entertainment now. He didn't take his clothes off so the kids could watch. <laughs> and he just gave the stewards the runaround. It was, it was fantastic. After the game as well, I just, I, I just feel it's important to give a full review of the day out. Um, even without Paul here. After the... Uh, the match we went to a, a pub it, despite it being one of the poshest areas in Europe probably the area around the Emirates we went to a pub just outside the ground that was a proper shithole boozer in a lovely good, yeah that was for away fans only and um, so it was full of Geordies like missing the last train home and saying if I've got enough money I'll go to a hotel but like what is <laughs> like just Poor plan, like men in their fifties, like cannot plan their lives properly. <laughs> but you know, the don't, atmosphere don't in the pub was. Here, I can get for thirty-seven pound. It's fine. Yeah, there was there was the atmosphere was like pretty good. I don't. No one was really whinging. The spirit they were showing on the TV. They were showing Newcastle's greatest goals. So each of them was being cheered as if it had just been scored. It was fun. Nice. 
But there were also, it was uh, no children allowed in the pub. And um, so <laughs> whilst we were in, that did not stop parents going into the pub. <laughs> so, so whilst we were in there, there was like <laughs> this lad just stood outside looking in, this like 12-year-old boy. <laughs> Shut up. Yeah, just looking at his parents drinking. <laughs> Oh, it's a learning experience for the poor. For how long? It's like a while. Like we noticed him, like at least like half an hour after we'd seen him turned away. I think it could have been like an hour or something. Just like we'll just leave our our twelve year old outside this pub in a city we don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Was it David Cameron? Uh, Yes. Um, so, uh, yeah, I guess we'll, we'll go to Twitter. Oh, one more thing I've thought of, Matty Longstaff. It's looking like we might just miss out on him, right? He's not going to sign his contract, the new contract. Well... Which means he, we just get a severance pay or whatever it's called. A, a, um, what do they yeah. call it? Like a, you know, an arbitration. Yeah, Because like he was a youth player. Yeah, we, yeah. Get, we get like 400 grand for him or something. Which it's like there's bad. no way the money he's asking for, even if it's over the odds for a player of his age and talent, you yeah. know, because he's still an unknown quantity, you know, it's quite feasible that in five years' time, Matty Longstaff could be a League One player. We don't yeah. know. But forward planning finance i mean even if he's asking for 50 grand a week or whatever it's just worth it isn't it you know, absolutely as an if asset he, if he's asking for 50 grand a week which i don't think he is uh, but whatever he's asking for he's a player that's uh, grabbed the headlines twice by scoring against manchester united arguably the biggest club on the planet he's played a few games in the premier league and looked decent He's looked decent in the Premier League at such an early age. There's a bit of a buzz about him. You sign him up to a contract now, uh, like three or four year contract. If someone comes in and, and like wants to buy him, oh well, he's on this big contract because he's a local lad and we like him, so we're paying him above the origin. It's a four year contract. We're going to charge you sixty million quid. So if if he is really good, well, he goes for a massive wedge. If he's not, then it's, it's you've worn, worn off shooters and, and all the rest of it, and you've kept a local lad, and it's good for business. Why don't you do it? Exactly the same situation with <coughs> Sean Longstaff, because his contract's running out soon. It's not as soon as, as Matty's. But just sign them both up. The PR alone you'd get would be amazing. Why? Why are, I don't... The only thing I can think is that they're, they're asking for, like, a release clause for... Um, for teams in the Champions League, or if they get relegated, they, they get a release clause. You know, some kind of contractual wrangling. But they're worth it. Like, Longstaff, like, Longstaff Senior looks like a Premier League central midfielder already. Um, he's not having a great season at the minute, but he, he's, he's got it in him. He just needs better coaching and to play in a team that's playing a bit better. Matty Longstaff, like you say, could end up playing League One. Or he could be another Premier League footballer. This is what you. This is why you have an academy, so that when your young talent comes through and seems like they're making it, you snap them up onto a decent contract, 
to either ward off play, uh, ward off other teams so you can keep them, or you can demand a massive price for them. That's the whole fucking point. I don't understand this club anymore. It is weird. It is it is odd. Um, uh, yeah, I feel like we haven't spoken about players in the game enough. Lazaro, new player, as you say, looked quite good. Uh, Danny Rose, his first game for us. Yeah. Uh, booed I by saw... the Arsenal fans, but not anywhere near as much as I thought he would be. And wow. yeah. He looked... He, I mean, he didn't look terrifying, but he, he didn't look bad. I think it's hard to judge in uh, for both Lazaro and Rose. It's the first first game for us. It's you know. It was it was Lazaro who was um, it was Lazaro who was nutmegged, wasn't it, for the second goal? I think. Yeah, Pepe yeah. Goal. I mean, he to was... be fair, I think he was at fault for both their first two goals. Right. But but honestly. It's his first game. It's a way to Arsenal. He's not playing in a particularly good side. He's never played in English Premier League before. Let's not write him off just yet. Not at all. No, yeah. I think he looked looked quite good going. He looked quite good going forward. But yeah, he did. You know, he did make some defensive mistakes. Yeah, Uh, I think Rose looked okay. What did you think of Bentaleb? I I felt like I hardly noticed him. I I said, I don't know, an hour into the game, I've hardly noticed Bentaleb. And I, we were watching, a, a, I think it was his debut, and he looked really classy, like he's got a really nice left foot. And, mm. but. I, think, I think they're all, to be honest, I think they're all, well, certainly Rose and Bentaleb, I think they're decent players. I don't know enough about Lazaro, and I'm not going to pin my hopes on a, on a right-back who was signed and then shipped off six months later by Conte. I'm, we'll see how it goes. But I think they were thrown into the the deep end, and they they did okay for a bit, but then began to drown a bit. The next six games, we'll get a better idea of how they play if they're any good, because the next six games are against sides around about us. You know, it's mid-table fodder, so it's it's not away at, at Arsenal, which is I know they're having a bad season, but it's still a tough place to go, and they've still got incredibly talented footballers. Uh. Yeah, I mean, the next few games, I remember in the run-up to Boxing Day through, like, November and December, we said uh, that that was going to be a really important period, and we did really well in that uh, period. And yeah. uh, we've got a similar period coming up now in that there we have a lot of fixtures that are winnable or at least get pointable. We've, yeah, got, uh, we've got Palace away coming up, yeah. Burnley at home, West Brom away in the Cup, I mean, yeah. wouldn't that be amazing? After that, it's the quarterfinals if we win that, right? Yeah. I mean, that would be amazing. Although West Brom are doing well in the championship. Uh, remember, got Southampton away, Sheffield United at home, Villa at home, Bournemouth away, West Ham at home. That's our fixtures until the 18th of April when we face Manchester City. The yeah. hilariously banned from Europe, Manchester City. Um, so this is, I mean... We're on 31 points now. If we can't get to 40 points by the time we play Manchester City, then I will concede that Steve Bruce <laughs> has, had a, 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 has been a terrible manager this season. Well, I'll accept that, but I think you're setting the bar very low. Sure. Um, I think if we can't get to 
40 points. I think, A, I think it's going to take more than 40 points uh, to survive this season. Maybe. Um, I think, because Norwich are really the only team that are cut adrift. Like, everybody else is still within a few points, like a, a win or two away from the rest of the pack. So I don't think anybody other than Norwich is cut adrift. So I think it's going to take a lot, uh, 40 plus points. Um, but I think... Okay, in that case, I'll say, if we can't be get... We should be man- mathematically safe by the time we're playing City. Ooh, uh, big shout. Away. And if, and if we're not, then that's... Uh, Shit. That's not good. Yeah. Um, yeah, we only need three wins uh, to get to 40. And I think, I think the, the, like you say, the, ne- the next six or seven league fixtures... They're the ones we really need to get the, the points. I think the, the points would come most likely at home against Aston Villa, maybe at home to Burnley or uh, away to Bournemouth. Um, I think that's where we'll that's where we'll get them. There's but, talk of uh, there's talk of be, because Joe Linton's performance was so bad against Arsenal, and because. I mean, it feels like it's coming to a head now, the situation where our, where our big money number nine hasn't scored in, like, 30 hours of football. <laughs> <laughs> you know, is it, it's, you know, he, it's, uh, I think it feels like something has to change and uh, we don't really have any strikers on the bench, but there, were talk, there was talk, any fit strikers available, there was talk of St. Maximin maybe playing centrally, uh, which might be worth a shot. It's not where I imagine he'll be playing the rest of his career, but I would trust him to to get a bit more done. And then I so who would who would take Joe Linton? Well, there was talk, <laughs> well, there was talk of swapping them because Joe Linton used to play out wide before he moved here. But it's it, hard so to picture him a wide bit... forward. Yeah, but I don't think he's like an out and out winger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Sorry. you can You do kind of want Saint Maximin putting in chances for Saint Maximin. I'd be Is that too fit? Well, I was going to suggest that we play a forward three of Saint Maximin, uh, Almiron, and maybe it's Atsu. Well, that's what I was saying. Yeah, and then having Saint Maximin as the central, but given license just to fuck around all over the pitch wherever he wants to be. But Atsu and Almiron, as as those uh, wider players, um, then you've got loads of pace, dynamism, decent technical ability. Hopefully, it would put an end to you know high balls up to somebody who's not a target man, because those three will not win balls in the air against your average centre half. So, hopefully, it'll be balls into the channels or balls to feet, so that they can run at players. And I think that that level of mobility up front, when you consider you've got three centre halves, two, it's likely going to be like Longstaff and Bentaleb, two hard-working central midfielders who can do the the defensive side of the job and pace down the the, the flanks of the um, of the two wing backs. I think I think that's an, it's an interesting. Approach. It might be one of those things. It, it it's it might be one of those things that after ten minutes. Everyone just goes, well, this isn't working. You, know, you <laughs> desperately want him to be running at a fullback. Like, why is he not out wide? That's what he does best. But, yeah. You know, yeah. If yeah. I was on 
football manager, then I'd give it a go for a game. Yeah. Sim about 10 seasons of it and see if it works. But then mm. you've also got um, uh, the option of, um, like you say, pulling Joe Linton off to the flank and just having um, Sim Maximum in the centre. I, I don't know if that would work. It's hard to so. picture Joe Linton sort of being good at anything consistently. There was one moment in the game where we turned to each other and went, oh, that was good. <laughs> where he sort of held... Yeah, no, he sort of held onto the ball for a bit, beat someone and laid it off. You know, it was, it was, that was it. So uh, we've got some social social media action. You said, uh, you asked if there were any positives at all mm. uh, to get from the game. Zach Leggett, uh, <coughs> or uh, Leger, says, uh, positive, we might keep hold of Dubravka a little longer. Which is, I guess, a, a suggestion that maybe he's um, not as desired as he was pre-kickoff. Yeah. Uh, Jenky says Matt Ritchie was angry. Everyone enjoys him being angry. True. You'd like me when I'm angry. <laughs> uh, Sugar Wookie uh, says it wasn't five mil, which I guess is a positive of sorts. Um, Kev Lawson, there's no shortage of... I'm reading these all fresh, by the way, so uh, please be ready to edit out any um, anything offensive I accidentally read out. Just uh, make sure there's nothing about eugenics on there, OK? OK, sure. Uh, Kev Lawson, there's no shortage of effort. He's not lost the dressing room, needing a max of nine points from the remaining games. I'd imagine we are pretty much safe. And, yeah... Good point, yeah. Kev. Uh, Bedford Mag, uh, with unusually with just the one st- the, the one tweet, but he has <laughs> used uh, all two hundred and eighty characters by the looks of it. Um, for the first half, I thought we were fine, but we crumbled like a pack of cards in the second half. Lazaro looked good in the first half, not so much second. Joe Linton needs some time on the bench. It's just not working. Steve Bruce is a bacon eating fraud. <laughs> Do you get this reference? The bacon eating fraud thing. Oh yeah, what was it? It was. It was about his. Was it something like how someone said, "How was the winter break?" And Steve Bruce said, "How was the bacon?" Like he's. How was the bacon? How was the break? Then? <laughs> oh, how was the bacon? That was the first thing he thought of. Yeah, <laughs> something tells me he had just had a bacon sandwich. Yeah. Um. Oh. um which is, you know, a major part of his life, one imagines. And uh, an UFC away says, I'll chuck in a positive. Had St. Maximin shot, which hit the post, gone in, it would have been 2-1, and we'd have ramped up the pressure. It didn't, and we lost the momentum. I think that is true. When it was... There were two quick goals, and uh, there was... I don't know how long that period was, but there was a little period there where we were both saying... If we can get a goal now, it will at least be interesting. And yeah. we did have a little bit of pressure for a while again. They uh, invited pressure and the Arsenal fans got a bit nervous. Mm. And so even in the second half, there was a brief period where we were able to um, to create some moments and uh, that being the most memorable when uh, he hit the post. So yeah, if that had gone in, it could well have been... Uh, 
a different outcome. Another one in which, yes, we lose in XG and and possession and blah, 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 but somehow get a point against uh, a side that we're not supposed to. Also, but, Clark's miss that had gone in. True, and it was that was a chance that he really should have taken. There was a chance that Joe Linton probably should have done better with. There was uh, there was another one as well. There was well, there was the deflected shot from Longstaff. Yeah, but yeah, there were a fair few moments. But you know, yeah, it, you know, you can only well, deal got... with what actually happened. But we have got to run a good game starting with Crystal Palace away. Palace away, which um, both Paul and myself would quite like to go to. I'm not entirely sure that I'll get away with going to it um, uh, with regards to my fucking family. But, um, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, if anyone wants to th- throw us some tickets at face value for the in the Palace away section, I think you might get some interest from... Paul Doolan and Fergus Craig. Um, always a great... Oh, 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 fucking bronchitis. Um, <laughs> corona... Right. Uh, always a fun place to go, Palace. What kind of season are they having? They're a bit inconsistent, aren't they? Well, for all we're having a, a, a tough time up front, they're having a worse time up front. They're, they're in a terrible run of form. I think they've, I think they've drawn... Drawn or lost uh, the last six games. I don't. I don't think they've won in a while. Um, they're um, they're they're one point behind us. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm just looking at the last few, few results. Yes, lost. Their last home game was against Sheffield United, which they lost one nil. The game before that was Everton away, lost 3-1. Yeah, then, no, they are in bad form. And it seems as if uh, the points that they do get are against better sides. Which So we'll be safe. So we'll be safe. We don't fit into that category. So, um, yeah, maybe we will get something from that. What do you reckon? Give us a score prediction, Dave. Nil-nil. Uh, Nil nil, yeah. yeah. Love a nil nil. <laughs> I just I, I can't see where the goals are coming from for us, and I, I can't imagine we're going to have as poor a defensive capitulation that we saw in the second half again against a worse side than uh, you know a side that's so shot shy. No, um, I don't think we'll have a capitulation, and I think there'll be a lot of work done on yeah. that not happening again. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, they have scored the fewest amount of goals in the Premier League. I think we'll win it one nil, Dave. You think? Yeah. God, pick pick Joe Linton. No, I think uh, I think it'll be I think it'll be like Fernandez. <laughs> yeah. <coughs> I think it'll be bronchitis. Yeah, I think it'll be a defender, probably. Yeah. But yeah, I think I I, I think one nil to us. And then like maybe that. you'll eat your words and we'll admit <laughs> Steve Bruce is the finest manager we've ever seen. <laughs> right, uh, I guess we'll leave it there. I yes, think sir. if we stop now, I've got time to go 
for a pint and catch the end of the uh, Liverpool game. Oh, very so nice. I'm going to do that. What's the score? Well, last I saw it was uh, it was one nil to Atletico. Um, yeah. Madrid, but I don't know what it is now. Ooh, well, I guess I'm about to find out, guys. I'll let you know when I do. In the next <laughs> podcast, I'll tell you. Okay. All right. Have a lovely week, Dave. You too, pal. You too. Thank you. Goodbye. Goodbye. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.